0: Hey everyone. Welcome back to sparking wholeness. This is Erin Carey. And I am sitting here with Brittany Braswell. She is a registered dietitian and she runs a private recovery coaching practice, helping women ditch food rules and negative body image so that they can finally get off the dieting hamster wheel It is a hamster wheel and experience true and lasting freedom in Christ. She has been featured as a guest expert on podcasts, virtual summits, blogs, and universities. She also has two online courses, one on improving body image and another on recovering from disordered eating, which we will get into today. So Brittany, thank you for being on the show.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. I'm really excited about today's conversation.
0: Yeah. I'm excited too. So we were talking a little bit before the recording started just about what does it even mean to have disordered eating behaviors? What does that look like for people? Because when we're talking about health, when we're talking about making healthy habits with food or making healthier choices. I'm saying all of this in air quotes that sometimes can make people a little, a little crazy. Um, I've been oh, there yeah. myself. So what does that, what does that look like?
1: So I love this question because I feel like I use air quotes just as much because the word health or healthy is so subjective. And so when I'm talking about disordered eating or an eating disorder, which an eating disorder is diagnosable and I've had clients that say, well, I don't, I don't have an eating disorder, but then as we get, as we get talking, it's obvious that they don't have a, a peaceful or joy-filled relationship with food. And that is really Because of some disordered eating thought processes or habits. Usually it's a combination of both. So that might look like labeling foods, either, you know, mentally or like using terminology that this is good and this is bad, or this is healthy, this is unhealthy. Um, That's junk food. And these are the ones that I can't have. Um, And so that is a sign of a disordered relationship with food. If um, whether whether it's intended that way or not, when you put those types of labels on it, this is junk, you're automatically assigning morality to food. And so when food becomes bad or junk, then usually there is some sort of association. Okay, well, when I ate that junk food, I was bad today. Or oh, I should have been better than that. And now I have to go do X, Y, Z, right? Because I did that. Or now I feel this way about myself because I ate the junk. So, um, so that's one, one kind of just quick, like, okay, maybe I do refer to foods as good or bad. That's a quick little sign that maybe you have, you don't totally have peace with food. Um, if you have a tendency to skip meals or to, to use some sort of behavior to, you know, air quotes, make up, For food or to earn something you feel like you need to eat. Like, Hey, I have this event later tonight. Um, I know I'm going to eat, you know, whatever I'm going to a wedding and I want the cake or I want the whatever I need to just skip lunch so that I can do that. Um, That is a pretty good sign too, that maybe you're not totally in tune with your body, or even if you are, that you still feel like there's something I have to do to balance it out and to, to prepare for, or to make up for after the fact. Um, so, so those are a couple of quick signs. Um, another probably good, just like general, Hey, do I maybe have some disordered relationship with food is if you tend to cut out food groups or certain Mm -hmm. types of foods altogether, right? Like you, you may say, and I hear this all the time. Well, Brittany, I don't really restrict, like I eat enough. Okay. Well, you may be getting in like, you know, enough total energy intake, right. In the form of calories. I feel like the C word gets so scary for people like (laughs) calories. (laughs) Right. And you, I think it helps sometimes calorie is just a unit of measurement. So it's like saying like, how many Watts does my light bulb have? Right. It's, it's a form of just measurement. And so when we think about energy in the form of calories, maybe you're eating enough, but maybe that is like, maybe you're still cutting out grains or starchy vegetables or fruits, because I hear this all the time. You probably do too, Aaron. Oh, that has too much sugar, right? I hear the Mm -hmm. word sugar and (laughs) carbs all the time. So like quick tip there, if carbs feel scary, stop using the word carb and just put carbohydrate say the whole thing. It sounds more sometimes just in your brain to go, okay, well, this is a scientific, like this is a nutrient. It's not this like Mm -hmm. diet culture label. Um, So, so those are just a couple of things. If you find you're constantly thinking about food or your body or what you're going to eat next or what you should eat next, those are just a couple of quick signs that you you might have some, some disordered relationship with food or at the very least lacking some peace when it comes to your relationship with food.
0: Yeah. And I think so many times any of these
1: restrictions,
0: I'll say that we place upon ourselves. It has to do with what somebody else told us. It's not necessarily like you mentioned being in tune with your body. It's not necessarily because we're in tune with our bodies Mm -hmm. and we're really trying to figure out what does how does my body respond to this thing? Or how does my body feel when I'm like, I'm on this big protein kick right now for neurotransmitters. It's this whole nerdy, nerdy thing I'm doing, <laughs> but it's like, what happens when I get enough protein in, at a meal? And when I don't, how do I feel afterwards? But yes. what most people do is they want to listen to a dietitian or an Instagram influencer that doesn't have any qualifications. And then they decide, well, I'm going to do that because that's what that person said to do. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes. I love that because one of the things I tell my clients is like my goal when you work with me is to get you away from trying to be dependent on me. I don't want anyone to be dependent on me because I can help you with some of the knowledge. I can help you learn the process, but the goal is for you to become the expert of your own body. And in order to do that, you, you've got to be able to listen to it and, and see how it's responding. And you have to learn, okay, based on this, do I want to feel this way again? Does this feel good? How do I want to change things, whether it's a mental or physical result from eating? How, how can I adapt to this moving forward in order to nourish my body and my mind? Well, without feeling deprived.
0: Yeah. But even then, right. We, we focus on eating. Eating's not the root cause is it? Eating is not no, the, it's the, the symptom. Issue at the root. <laughs> okay. So I want yes. to hear your thoughts. What's underneath these I, I want to say compulsions they're not really compulsions it's like these these um rules we've placed on ourselves or these guidelines or things that we're really we're trying to do to be healthier or we're trying to do for whatever reason maybe somebody told us to or maybe maybe it's a body image thing which we will get to later but what's so what's behind that if we dig deeper
1: yes it comes back to your core beliefs so your your beliefs and I won't go through the whole line of line of thought, but essentially what you believe at your core at the root is going to eventually determine your mindset and your actions and behaviors as a result of that. And your identity is going to fall within there. Like the way that you see and view yourself is going to determine like your perceived identity, right? Whether that's accurate or not is a whole nother Whole other conversation, but the way you see yourself and what you believe about yourself, about food, about others, about relationships, about all sorts of things can influence your choices and your thoughts around food. And so, yes, you're 100% right. That is the way that you eat and your behaviors around food are totally the symptomology of what, like, what are your beliefs and how do you like, how do you think about what you're doing? So that's how it shows up. So you can't just change the behaviors. You can't just say, well, I'll just stop binging or I'll just stop restricting. And then I'll be quote unquote fixed. I will fix the problem. I'll automatically have better body image or I'll stop obsessing about food. If I just eat better, or if I just stop doing these things, that's, that's putting a bandaid on it super temporarily. And it's not going to be sustainable.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And even if you were to say, okay, well, I'm no longer assigning morality to food and I'm just going to heal from my relationship with food, boom, boom, whatever. There's still something going on. Like you're saying at the mm-hmm. core, there's still a belief that caused you to have this relationship with food. That's unhealthy. And maybe now it cleared up the relationship with food. Maybe it's manifesting in your relationship with other people or like, this is something that's still there. So how do we identify what those core beliefs are or why, why do we need to?
1: So it's really, really important to like core beliefs matter so much because you cannot make changes, whether it has to do with food or anything else. Just like you said, these same types of anxiety fears, whatever might be prompting the behaviors, don't they may not just show up as food. They might show up for somebody as being in an unhealthy relationship Mm. or it might show up as substance use or Mm. it might show up as any number of things. And so you cannot make a change until you know exactly what needs your focus and why the change is needed. Why do you want the change and what contributed to the actual problem or struggle that you want to resolve? Yeah,
0: awareness is so important. And with that, that's actually a really good place to pause and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Everly Well, as we are talking about getting to the root of some of our issues with food and bringing awareness to our bodies. You know, many women, Experience symptoms and don't know where to start. And Everly Well is committed to listening and supporting your journey towards better health and wellness. The Everly Well Women's Health Test measures 11 biomarkers known to play a role in your overall health and wellness and checks for any abnormal levels that may be keeping you from feeling your best. So if you're feeling like, ah, oh, I'm off, I, I don't feel right, I don't know where to start, this is a great starting place because Everly Well is digital healthcare designed for. For you all at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need like the women's health tests that I mentioned, or they even have a food sensitivity test. Everly Well also has high quality vitamins and supplements to support your overall health. Choose from a variety of options, including vitamin D3 and omega-3 fish oil. So here's how it works. I love how simple it is. Everly Well ships products straight to you with everything needed in one package. You can take your at-home lab test by simply collecting your sample and use the included prepaid shipping label to mail your test back to a certified lab. Your Physician reviewed results get sent to your phone or device in just days. You can share the results with your primary care physician to help guide next steps. If you ordered vitamins and supplements, you can start adding them to your daily routine right away. It is so simple. Over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well to support their health and wellness goals, including myself, and you should too. I am looking forward to taking the women's health test. I can't wait to find out my results. I am at an age where there are things changing, and I know that I want to get on top of what is going on in order to best support my individual and unique body. I'm also really looking forward to trying out the omega-3 fish oil product because I'm all always looking for a high quality Omega three. And for listeners of the show, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash spark. That's everlywell.com slash spark for 20% off your next at-home lab test, everlywell.com slash spark. So Brittany, we are talking about these core beliefs, limiting beliefs. Can you just break down what what you consider to be a core belief or, or some of maybe the the core limiting beliefs that many women and men are struggling with?
1: Yes. So so a core belief, um, like we were talking about is, I would say that's anything that you believe to be 100% true 100% of the time. It doesn't mean that it is. But that's your, your belief, right? And so a limiting belief is a type of core belief. And it is typically going to be some type of untrue thought pattern that's going to make you feel stuck. And that's like the keyword there it doesn't mean you are but it makes you feel that way It mm-hmm. makes you feel like paralyzed, I can't move forward because this thing is hundred percent true, hundred percent of the time. And those are going to be the types of beliefs that really keep you from making progress and reaching your goals, whether it's food related or otherwise. Um, so in my practice and experience, I have noticed four primary, I'll just call them themes of limiting beliefs. Um, so I'll touch on them more fast. And then if you want to go through each one, we absolutely can. Um, the first one, and I think this is one of the ones that I see as a major root for so many people when, it, especially when it comes to disordered eating is worthiness. So
0: mm-hmm. a lot
1: of beliefs that have to do with where your worth and value is found. Um, the second one is capabilities. So having limiting beliefs around what you feel like you are capable of the third. And I, th- I think I see this across the board. I don't know that I've ever worked with a client who hasn't had l- beliefs around this to some degree is control. Um, this shows up in, it can show up in any area of life food or, or non-food related body image or not. Um, and then the fourth is possibilities. So really looking at what do you believe is possible for you moving forward?
0: Okay. Yeah. So worthiness, this is really good. And I think that I I want you to break this down because I see myself and probably all of these, um, but that, that worthiness is interesting because I think that, it, it's used in different ways, depending on your um, belief system. And I'd love to hear how you break worthiness down and how does that show up in somebody's life and how is it limiting?
1: So it's limiting in tons of ways. Um, probably there will be some, some, some different examples come to mind as I say these, but some different ways that I see it show up most frequently, especially in the, the realm that I work in. Comparison is a huge one. When you notice yourself like comparing your body to someone else's body or your habits or your house or your, you know, whatever it might be, um, when you lack boundaries. So if you do not have really strong set boundaries, that is one way that it shows up as worthiness because you're going to be constantly breaking boundaries in order to please or appease someone else which usually comes back to, well, their opinion or their thought matters more than mine does. Mine's not worthy enough to be considered. Um, another way it shows up is when you are just constantly striving or trying to prove yourself. So if you feel like, well, I'm not good enough, or I need to show that I can, I can do whatever X, Y, Z, then Usually, and this is like a hard hitter. I think for somebody that's that's where a lot of the people pleasing does show up um, because it's I want to make them like me because they are part of the reason, or at least maybe your pers- your perception of what they think of you matters in in the way that you see yourself and the way that you say, "Hey, based on what they think of me, I I am worthy or I am valuable or I'm not." Um, and the fourth one I feel like is sort of a an oddball that maybe you wouldn't in, in uh, initially connect, but it's distraction. Um, And so if you have a lot of beliefs or you notice a lot of thoughts coming up on, okay, I'm focusing on something and then I'm getting really easily distracted. Now, this isn't the case all the time. So I'm not saying if you have a tendency to get distracted, that it, it always means you have a limiting belief related to your worth, but it can show up that way because if there's something that really matters to you and somebody Maybe ask for your help or a favor or says, hey, I need you to to do to do this or you start doubting yourself on, hey, like, is this something that I actually can do? And that can kind of overlap a little bit with the capabilities beliefs, too. Um, But it it can be really easy for you to just like shift your thought real fast and go, "Okay, I don't believe in myself enough for this. So I'm going to switch to something else. Um, So with those, those are just a few examples of the way that limiting beliefs around worthiness show up. And it really, really comes back to a root of misplaced identity. So that can be a real struggle.
0: That's so good. I relate to that one so much because I'm, you know, I don't know if you follow Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram three, and the whole Enneagram three thing is not being good enough or having to work hard for achievement, you know, all of that. um, And that there's something lacking that we have to make up for. And I think that's the distraction piece is interesting. I've never considered that before, but that's really true. It's this whole scattered, like, I know I need to do this, but ooh. Oh wait, shiny object! If I do this, then is that gonna get me where I want to go? I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. possible. So here we go. Whoop, veer off course, right? Yes. <laughs> so interesting. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and it shows up more than you think. Um, and again, like I said, like I can get easily distracted sporadically throughout the day, and so it doesn't necessarily mean that every time you're distracted, you think, "Oh, I'm not worthy." But that is definitely something that if you start noticing that pattern, it may be something to look into. Um, so, if you really want to work through this, I hate to, I don't want to just like go, okay, hey, here's all your limiting beliefs. Let's go on. Um, I think a good action step, something that you can really focus on to, to really challenge maybe some of those beliefs that you find coming up around how you determine your own worth or value or your perceived worth or value is to get really clear on your identity. Because if the root issue is misplaced identity, then you've got to identify where are you finding that identity. And who are you like in in my, in my case with my clients, we're looking at who are you without your eating disorder or without this particular relationship with food, because it's really easy to put a label on yourself. And maybe it's maybe in your family, like I've always been the thin one or the athletic one, or for some, like I've been the one that's always sick or that always, you know, needs help or care. Um, and so get really clear on your identity, figure out, Where, where are you finding it now? And the, the one like filter question I always ask is, is your identity found right now in something that could change? And if it can change, it's not really going to be sustainable moving forward right? Like someone's opinion of you or fill in the blank with any number of things Mm
0: -hmm. or job, or I was a teacher for 11 years. I'm not a teacher anymore. That was a big identity shift for me. That's so interesting. And then, you know, I think about even, um, if we're speaking of speaking on relationship with food or body image, right? Like how many times I think just even in my own past, like Teen years, I put my worth according to the number on the scale, right. Or the gene size that I was in or, um, okay. Well then speaking of distraction, right. Well then here comes along a shiny diet. Oh, well that might get me where I want to be. And people will like me more. I always believed, and I don't know where this, maybe it was, um, some kind of ingrained. My grandma was very image conscious and wonderful, wonderful woman. But the one thing about her that always stuck with me was just that, image consciousness and yes you know i i think i felt like i would not be loved if i was in a larger body and it's so sad that, that i i grew up believing that with no basis no data to back that up but that's that's just a belief that i had and so yeah so if any kind of shiny diet or eating plan or whatever always was very appealing to me um but it distracted me even more so from that identity factor so that's okay i want to i don't want to hang out just in worthiness i think that's huge. Capabilities does tie into that though, uh, because it is more of an achievement based, right? So let's break down capabilities.
1: Yeah. So capabilities, you're probably going to notice most frequently showing up as a lack of confidence, So that's that one, I think, is a little more self-explanatory, self-explanatory or easy to identify because if you don't have confidence in yourself or what you're doing. Then there's probably some type of belief there around, like, I'm not capable of this anyway. So why would I be confident in in my ability to do it over striving is another one. Um, So, again, this sort of ties in with one of the first ones in the sense of like, I'm constantly putting forth all of this effort because I feel like like, I'm not, I'm not sure of myself that this is like, that I have the ability to get to this point. And the big one here, um, and I'll explain this phrase if you're not familiar with it, but it shows up as imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome, just to kind of give you a simple sort of description or definition of that is this fear of being like, quote unquote, found out maybe for like not having what it takes or for feeling like, okay, people see me this one way. And it's almost like this, fake it till you make it, but don't let them know sort of mentality that can that can show up and so you've got to recognize hey when these are coming up is there some sort of belief tied to that that like i'm actually not capable of this like i don't feel like i can actually do this and i'm just trying to put this front on um and for for capabilities it all comes back to do you have a fixed mindset or do you have a growth mindset and so we can absolutely break those down um Fixed mindset is really when you feel like, okay, I have this belief that my basic abilities are, or my traits even only like, I only have a certain amount of each one, right? Like I'm born with this particular gift or this particular intellectual ability or this particular whatever. And that's just how it, how it's always been. I've always been this way. It's never going to change. It doesn't mean it's accurate, right? But that's how it, how it can show up versus the growth mindset is saying, okay, I believe I have, you know, a certain set of maybe abilities or skills right now and they can be further developed, okay? So maybe you need some instruction to do that. Maybe you need some time. Maybe you need to, it requires some more effort and definitely persistence, right? Because if you don't have the persistence, you might be learning and it might be at a slower pace than you like. But if you believe that you are capable of achieving something, that is gonna help you to persist moving forward.
0: I love that. I can see that one as well. And so I, this is so important and and just tying this back to these are limiting beliefs that hold us back, not just from recovery from disordered eating or having an unhealthy relationship with food, but these things hold us back from showing up and living out our purpose and what we're called to do. And so I think it's important to, as you know, if you're listening to this and you're going through what Brittany is saying, going, okay, which one stands out the most to me? And then the next one we have is control, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so with control that shows up lots of different ways. Um, Just to give you a couple of examples, procrastination actually Mm. is a big means of control. (laughs) Like, okay, if I feel like I can't do this to 110%, I'm going to put it off until I can. Right. Or when you're doing a group project or you're doing an assignment for school or class, or even for your job, like, I don't feel like I control every detail of this, so I'm not going to focus on it right now because it's making me so anxious that I can't have my hands and everything. Um, same sort of thing with perfectionism, right? Like if I can't control the outcome, if it's not going to be perfect, then then maybe, maybe you have a little bit of issue with control there, a little bit of struggle with that. Um, difficulty empathizing with other people. Mm. This one, um, I feel like I have a lot of clients and students that, I don't have. What does empathy have to do with control? Well, empathizing is like your ability to kind of emotionally connect with or relate to someone, and so you cannot control someone else's thoughts or responses, right? Like you are not responsible for their response, and so if you're afraid to open up in a relationship and tell somebody something, whether it's somewhat surface level or something deeper, and you know you can't control their response to it, you're going to be a lot less likely to to deeply connect with that person. And so when you really struggle with control, and when you add the the people pleasing or the identity piece on that, that their opinion of me matters more, that's going to create this like wall or boundary. So if you're sitting here going, man, I don't really have a whole lot of close friendships or people that are super supportive in my life, that may be a good little red flag to go, okay, where do I struggle with maybe some of those control issues? So those are, those are a couple of different ways that those show up.
0: Ooh, but man, you know what that made me think of? Like even going deeper than that, like uncovering that layer, I think a lot of control issues in this way, procrastination, perfectionism are rooted in anxiety rooted even deeper than that, like in a fight or flight response and a oh, brain yeah. that is stuck in trigger mode. And so mm-hmm. if that's the case, if you're only firing from your amygdala, you're not connecting with the prefrontal cortex, which is where we show empathy for other people and yeah. make those connections. So I think just at a brain level, right? Like this is mm-hmm. how this shows up and keeps us from being able to connect with other people because we're so wrapped up in this stuck fear brain. So even breaking it down further, I mean, that's a big, that's a big puzzle piece for a lot of people is is breaking down that control issue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and it really comes back to that that root there just being like this illusion that you can or should always be in control. Because there are there are things that even if you can be in control of them, you might need to ask yourself, do I really need to be in control of that? <laughs> is that so benefiting true. me? Is it benefiting <laughs> to be in control. I was having this conversation with a client last week in session and she was listing out like all these things like, okay, this is what I do have means to control. And these are the things I don't. And we went through and we were like, but that's a, that's a lot of things that you can control. Okay. And I get that there's safety often, like it's comforting to have that predictability. And is it really benefiting you or is it more of a burden? So kind of doing that, maybe like benefit burden pro con analysis, like Do I want to give this control to somebody else? Do I want to just let go of it? Um, That can be a really, a really huge help for that. And so if you're working on trying to challenge or reframe any of those thoughts that come up around control, a really good acronym to use to to challenge or reframe this, I'll tell my my clients, practice your ABCs. It's action brings clarity. So this is especially important for those who are like, I just procrastinate on everything because I can't control it take the messy action first because you're going to get more and more clear on what works, what doesn't, what are you comfortable with, what are you not when you start taking action. Nothing is ever going to become familiar until you do it until you do it consistently.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. A big piece of um letting go of some control in my life was hiring an assistant <laughs> mm, <laughs> which me too. I mean, that's that was a big deal cuz I wanted to handle all of Every aspect of my business, I wanted control because what if something happens? It's that anxiety piece behind it, right? Like, what if, what if, what if? And it's like, okay, well, what if it doesn't? (laughs) What if we just do the thing and see what happens? And oh, it's amazing the weight that's been lifted off of me because I just, I just released that control.
1: Yes. I love that you mentioned that. I just did that here in the last. Month I hired I brought on three new team members in the last nice. month and it's it it is a lot of like you have the front end and like let me yeah, get you trained and what pain. are what are the things yeah. what are the things that I can and can't control or that I should and shouldn't and so yes even you know as a as a business owner or as a practice owner I could I was controlling every aspect of my business for the mm-hmm. most part and it's such a challenge it feels so uncomfortable in the beginning to say okay you take this but the relief does follow. So yeah. when you when you challenge control it's not necessarily going to be comfortable but it, it's not going to always stay that way either there's so much potential for for that just relief and, and peace. I when love you can that, let go.
0: Yeah and I love that action brings clarity because I think that's true in so many different I can see that even with the things that I'm allowing my kids to do now like I could totally control the laundry but having my 8-year-old <laughs> and 5-year-old bundle their clothes into a ball and shoving them in their drawer that's actually one less thing that I have to do. And I don't have to control how it looks in the drawer or how it looks on their (laughs) bodies. Right. Like, I mean, there are things like like just to bring another example that's not, you know, yeah, absolutely. And same with food. I mean, there are, there are definite areas that we can go, well, wait a minute what, what if I, I changed the word carbs to carbohydrates, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, there's, there's just so much there that we could break down further, but okay. But I want to get to the last one, which is possibilities.
1: Yes, yeah, So I think this is one of my favorites because of the root issue and what I just genuinely love working on with my clients. And so Possibilities, limiting beliefs around possibilities really show up a lot as fear of failure, right? Because if you have this fear, you're just like paralyzed. I can't do this because I don't, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to be able to, I feel like it's just going to flop like it has every time or, you know, fill in the blank. Then it's coming back to, I, you know, I don't know that this is possible. I don't know that I, maybe it's part of the capabilities that falls into that too. I just, I feel like it's going to fail. Self-doubt, kind of the same thing. If you find yourself criticizing yourself a lot or doubting who you are, doubting what you are capable of and what's possible for you in the future, it's kind of has to, you have to be able to get out of your head and look past what's right in front of you to see, hey, what's possible. And if you really struggle with that, this may be something to to focus on. Um, And we talked in the, with um, one of the last limiting belief categories, the importance of persistence. If you have lack of persistence, That shows up again under this sort of realm of possibilities, because if you're not going to try to persist and persisting, just like I'm going to continue moving forward, despite the results that I'm getting, I see this show up a lot in clients that um, maybe they struggle with binge eating and they're working on making peace with food. They're challenging themselves to incorporate a fear food or an, an anxiety provoking food for them. And they go, well, I binged the first time I reincorporated. So obviously I can't do it that's lack of persistence. It doesn't mean it's going to stay that way all the time. And so that is, that's one quick way it shows up, but the, the big root issue here that I see so often, Aaron is lack of faith and hope. Mm. And this can be in lots of different things. Um, it might have to do with your personal faith. It might have to do with your lack of faith and hope in yourself or other people. Um, but those are two, that's, a subject that. I get really passionate and we could have a whole other episode on that. Um, but it's really coming back to going, okay, where do I lack faith or why do I feel so hopeless? Where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. And if you, if you have some of that, there's probably a lot of limiting beliefs that are showing up for you in the realm of what's possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So my husband is a licensed professional counselor and he does a lot of, um, trauma work with people Mm -hmm. and he'll do like EMDR and take people back to, you know, their childhood past issues that keep people stuck. Um, and we, you know, it's interesting as he was going through his training, um, he did his own personal work in order to train for EMDR and the trauma. And we had a lot of conversations about the stories that we create for ourselves and how it can be like one thing somebody says in childhood or a parent says, or a, a, you know, somebody that's not, not an abusive parent, abusive grandparent or whatever, just somebody really good and wonderful in every other way, but they say one thing and it becomes our limiting belief. So yes. how do we, how do we help support ourselves and other people break free from that?
1: That is something that I am so passionate about getting equipping people and giving them confidence to ask for help because sometimes you just can't see the other side of things. Like I've, I'll have women come to me saying like, I feel like I should be over this by now. I feel like this shouldn't be a struggle. And the example that I give them because I love analogies. Um, I feel like I'm just such a visual learner and it, and it helps to an analogy is really just, you get to use something that you're familiar with to help you learn something that's a little harder to conceptualize or understand. And so I, I like to Give the example of, you know, let's say you adopted um, a child or even a puppy, right? If you're not at the point of becoming a parent, maybe it's a puppy, right? And let's say it's one that's a little bit older, maybe you have a five or six year old that you've adopted, or you've got an adult dog, right? And they haven't been potty trained, right? They're having accidents all over the place. It might be a little bit frustrating, but you're probably not going to be sitting here yelling at your brand new adopted child, going, I can't believe you won't go to the bathroom. Why aren't you going to the potty? Because if they've never been taught, how to do that. And they've never been given the instruction and the time and the patience to learn, like to connect their body going, Oh, my bladder's full. That means this is what's going to happen. Or I have about this long before I need to go to the bathroom, right? You're probably not going to be angry and upset with them. And so why do we do the same thing with ourselves when some we've got this limiting belief, or we've had, maybe you've lived in a household where it's been diet culture infused your whole life. And you think that being on I'm not even going to list out a bunch of diets. Y'all know like all the fad diets, right? Like being on X, Y, Z diet is the norm and like cycling through them. Like this is the next thing If that's been your norm. It doesn't have to stay that way. And it's okay to ask for help. There's no shame in saying, well, I don't, I don't know what else there is. I don't know how to have a peaceful relationship with food. Cause all I can remember is hating my body from the time I was six. Um, and so as sad as that is, and as frustrating, some of those things can create that lack of those beliefs around what's possible or what you're capable of. So you have to get around people who are going to give you the encouragement that say either I've already been there. And so let me show you, or let me get in your corner and not only give you the support, but also pour truth into you so that, you know, like this is possible. It's okay if you don't feel like it is right now, but it is. And let me show you how. So I think that's super crucial. Well, and
0: community is so huge. And I think that who you're around and the way they talk about their bodies and food, man, I I just, in the past, probably since I've been working on my own issues last, I'd say six to eight years, noticing how many people say things like, um, Oh gosh, where I was at a it was like a mom's meeting. This was four years ago. This is the first time that it really stood out to me, and I was like, "Oh no, this older woman. She's probably in her fifties. She we're picking through the food, and she's like, "Oh, that is so fattening." But you know what? Like, and I was like, "Fattening." I hadn't heard that phrasing in a long time. You know, like I think that that comes back from the, the low fat diet movement. I just I uh-huh. hadn't heard it, and I was like, "Oh, well." wow. I mean, she just said it out loud and it started tuning me in to the way people talk about food. And so the community, the people that we're around, the way they talk about their bodies, the way they talk about food and the diet and the, Oh, well, you know, today I, I'm, I'm going to be bad today, but tomorrow I'll get better Monday. Right. The whole Monday. The, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh.
1: I start in Monday
0: it drives me nuts. And I have family members that do it and it's very triggering for me. And it's I have to really try to manage my own emotions when I hear that, because it, I almost feel like it sends me into a tailspin of, oh no wait, but what, uh, you know, it's just, so how do we get past that? How do we surround ourselves with people who are going to speak positively about their body? It's so common to disparage your body and your eating habits. Like this is just the way women talk, unfortunately, and men, I will say, sometimes I think my husband (laughs) has been worse about it than me. But yeah, what do we do about that?
1: Yeah, I think that the first step is really identify, like working on that awareness piece of going, okay, some of those things we mentioned at the beginning, right? like what are some of those signs of maybe a, a disordered relationship with food or, or a relationship with food that lacks peace and joy? Um, you can absolutely have a relationship with food that sparks joy for you, right? And so this uh, that's why I love the, the title of your show, like Sparking Wholeness. Like there's so much that, there's so much wholeness that people are missing out on. Like there's pieces of them that they feel like are missing. And so you, something I say a lot, is like no one ever recovered by accident. No one ever created, mm-hmm. like cultivated this healthy relationship with food by accident. They just woke up one day and I'm no longer stressed or like I, I can accept and care for my body well. And so it takes intentionality to seek it out. Um, and I hate to say, unfortunately with that, but because we do live in so much of a diet ingrained body obsessive sort of culture that requires a lot of challenging. Um, when we notice it, we need to speak up about it. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a bold upfront conversation. Every time I tend to go a little bit more in that direction, cause I get really bold <laughs> and I get a little defensive of, of my, my, my crew and my clan. And so yeah. if someone, um, sometimes it's setting boundaries with the people around you, like that's a good place to start to, when you start noticing, what's uncomfortable, what's triggering, what's diet culture to say, I'd appreciate it if we didn't talk about that. Or if we don't have those kind of conversations at the table or before or after meals. Um, sometimes it's a simple, and I hate to say simple, but to start looking for that community, like even going to Facebook and typing in like intuitive eating Facebook groups or um, food peace or food freedom or whatever it might be just to, to find at least somebody who can go, Hey, me too. Like, I feel that same way. I understand the struggle. Um, and that can be a quick, free way, <laughs> just food freedom um, and and see what comes up because you've got that connection piece is so important. I think that's one way we get attacked so often and we feel like we're something's not possible or we're not capable is because we've never seen it demonstrated or we don't mm. want to talk about it with the people around us because they might be contributing to it. So we know they're not going to understand. So I would say, you got to have a little intentionality, maybe a lot <laughs> to go seeking out, whether it's a team team member, like a provider, coach somebody, or if it's a community of people that at least can say, Hey, me too. Um, I think that's a really good place to start.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And just knowing that you're not, you're not alone in being triggered by these things. And that I, I think it, it's so hard, the whole morality associated with food. That's the one that gets me. You know, like I have certain things that I know are gonna make me feel better, are gonna make my brain function better. I'm all about eating for brain clarity. I am lucky in that I don't have a lot of digestive issues with food. I have a ton of brain health (laughs) things that that I try to stay on top of. And I know when I'm feeling foggy or buzzy from food and certain things that trigger me. I know this, but that doesn't mean that everybody is gonna feel that same way. And you know, different people have different triggers. And it takes that self-awareness and just like you said, intentionality of going, okay, what is this going to look like for me? What are the things that I love and enjoy and how can I enjoy food more? I don't know if you've read one of my very favorite books It's called the slow down diet. Now it does have the word diet in it, but um, it's really, it's, it's beautiful. It's less than 200 pages. It is such a beautiful tribute to the importance of slowing down and allowing our body to rest and digest. It's, it's huge. So what you're saying, I, I hope that this really sparks truly no pun intended, some people toward peace and healing, because I think we cannot just talk about the food. We can't, I would love to talk about, you know, the benefits of leafy greens and the antidepressant food score and all of that, because that's, One of my favorite things, but if you are in a mindset of, you know, limited worthiness capabilities, you've got these control issues and the, um, what is the, the fear of failure and, and all, um, is that, that's not capabilities, possibilities, possibilities. Thank you. Yeah. Um, possibilities. Yeah. If you're, that's really at the root. So I've got to ask you one of my favorite questions the name of the show is sparking wholeness. So if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be?
1: Oh, I love this question. Um, I, I think I really come back to that identity piece on, you cannot feel whole when you don't know who you are. Um, whether it's like, go back and figure out like, where are some of those things that you're identity is currently tied to, like, what are they tied to and how did they get there? Um, And the more and more you can explore, you can find an unshakable foundation for your identity. When you know who you are, you can grow, like you can, you can from that point, start learning, how do I now walk in my purpose? How do I become like the version of myself that that gives me the most fulfillment and that allows me to serve and fulfill others as well from a place of wholeness rather than trying to pour out and pour out and pour out before you've been able to really solidify who you are and what you believe. Um, so that would be that would be my piece of encouragement. When you are looking to spark wholeness in your life, start with you and start, which sometimes feels so uncomfortable for people, but start really exploring who you are and, and where you're finding your identity.
0: Yeah. Now where can people follow you and and learn about your programs and all of that?
1: Yeah, so uh probably the best place to find all of that is through my website. It's Brittany Braswellrd.com. Um there's some free resources there um on the resources tab. There's some different information there about intuitive eating and um lots of different things you can just kind of quick Quickly access. And then I love being on Instagram. I would love to hear if, um, if you guys have any questions about the topic that we've been chatting about today, or you want to know, you know, what's a good next step for this? Shoot me a DM on Instagram at Brittany Basil RD, and I love to make connections there as well. Awesome. Well, this has been such a good
0: conversation. I kind of don't want to end it because I don't know how it happened. I mean, that we're at the end, but here we are. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for being on the show, and I'd love to have you on again sometime.
1: Thank you so much, Erin. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today.
0: The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at Sparking Wholeness. Have a fabulous week.